Hello, everyone. Welcome to a brand spanking new edition of the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. I'm your host, Dominic Vogel. Uh, joining, joining us today is Danielle Jablanski from Nozomi Networks. Uh, she is one of the funniest and smartest uh, cybersecurity professionals that I know. Uh, just a wonderful person, terrific insight and wisdom. Um, so I'm going to take a momentary pause. We'll bring her on board and we're going to have a fantastic conversation with her today. Danielle, thank you so much for joining us in the Cybersecurity Matters podcast today. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you for having me on this beautiful sunny day in, in the U.S. here. <laughs> well, it's a sunny day here in Vancouver where, where I reside. And remind me where in, in the U.S. where, where you are situated. I'm just outside of Dallas, Texas. Uh, oh, well, I'm a, I'm a lifelong Dallas Cowboys fan. One of the uh, one of my original oh, hats probably I had I've had it for probably close to 12 years. It's a Dallas Cowboys hat and it's seen better days. But my four year old doesn't want me to get rid of it because it's his favorite smelly hat, but uh, I do love the Cowboys. So <laughs> I'm a born and raised New York Giants fan, but I won't hold that against you. <laughs> I'm a transplant here in Texas. But not not to talk too much about the Cowboys, but one of my bucket list items is to see a Cowboys game in Cowboys Stadium. So uh, if and when I ever do make it down there, I'll be sure to let you know so we can meet yeah. up in person. <laughs> I live about a mile from there. And the good thing is they play the Giants twice every year, which means there's always a home game. So I've told everyone I'm going to go until the Giants win again. And this year they play on Thanksgiving. So that's ah, hopefully when it there you go. Yeah. <laughs> big hopes, big hopes, big but. hopes. That's right. There's, there's always yeah. next year, right? That's Not the- cheap, but you know, I'm in it for the hope. <laughs> um, uh, in terms of uh, what we wanted to talk about today, as much as I love football, believe me, I'm a fantasy football honk, but um, in terms of where, uh, where I thought maybe we could start is if you could maybe just share a bit of your narrative, you know, about who, who you are, where you've been, uh, just to inform our listeners and viewers in terms of the incredible person that you are. Thank you. Yeah, sure. Um, my name is Daniel Blansky. Uh, my day job is operational technology strategist with Nizomi Networks, which is a security vendor in the OT and ICS cybersecurity space. And some of my free time, I volunteer as the president of the North Texas section of the uh, International Society of Automation. I'm a fellow um, at the Atlantic Council, where I focus on uh, research that looks at prioritizing critical infrastructure sectors. You know, how do you compare them against each other from a cybersecurity perspective? And then I also kind of dabble in um, some um, work to get more people into the pipeline. So addressing the talent crisis for cybersecurity explicitly within the OT space because there's no good pipeline. So that's how I spend my time and how I got there. Um, I actually studied international security and kind of found some tailwinds through some work on nuclear weapons, cyber vulnerability research into cyber policy, and then made my way back to OT, which I joke is the original, that nuclear weapons are the original OT. Um, They're the original purpose-built type of system that has to be cyber secure and ready, you know, 24-7. and so it's that always never paradigm that I brought from that research to the OT space when I started actually in energy. And so that's kind of how it's come full circle for me in a nutshell. Wow. That's uh, that's quite the path. And I was going to, it's fine for most of my, our clients, most of our clients are small uh, mid-sized businesses. Most of them, I would say, you know, cybersecurity is a matter of life and death. But I mean, when you're talking about cybersecurity with nuclear weapons, yeah, <laughs> all of a sudden we're to- talking about possible extinction. But uh, that, that, that's a very interesting uh, uh, career path that you uh, laid out there, uh, Danielle. Um, I thought I'd like to maybe just start off talking about operational technology and industrial control systems. You know, and you know, for, for our non-technical audience, um, at a high level, a, what does that mean? And sort of the follow-up question to that is, why is cybersecurity paramount to that? And what's the current maturity in, in, in that state? Yeah, I'm glad you asked this. And people kind of assume what it means, or they make it 
um, I think more technical and more difficult than it has to be. So we talk about OT systems in terms of being cyber physical, and that just means they have a digital component that controls something in the physical world. So that could be something like the launch of a missile, but it also comes down to things like um, operating, manufacturing plants and facilities. So conveyor belts, valves, pressure systems, water tanks, flow systems, pipes, et cetera. All of those technologies that do something you know, physical in the real world that move, um, spin, right, turn on and off. If they have connectivity that's no longer manual where somebody's flipping a switch, but it's digital and they're pushing a button and that has some type of networked communication, that's what we think of from a cybersecurity uh, perspective in terms of OT. And then ICS just kind of bubbles up those industrial control systems to include SCADA architectures, which are control panels that kind of sit a layer on top and control multiple subsystems of those physical processes. So multiple flow sensors, multiple kind of old um, on-off manual processes that are now digitized. That's probably the, the best best answer I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, that, that's uh, that, that that is so well laid out. And and in terms of then from a a broader security perspective, then you know what does the current I know this is broad obviously probably yeah. varies by sector or even within sector. But what's this current security maturity state when it comes to OT and, and, and ICS and, and scaling? Are most of those organizations taking it seriously? Is it a hodgepodge? Is it ad hoc? Is it cringing? Or is it really good? What 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 is what are you seeing? Let me first break down an acronym that I use because I didn't explain it. So SCADA and SCADA architectures are supervisory control and data acquisition, which sounds like a mouthful, but if you break it down, supervisory control is what I mentioned, the, the high-level operation of multiple subsystems and data acquisition, right? Getting kind of some of the logs and the feedback and the historical data from those subsystems, right? So um people are beginning to recognize the importance of those critical systems. In our side of the world, we call that crown jewel analysis. So the crown jewels of any given operation are going to differ, right? So if you're providing electricity, um, maybe your substations, right? And your distribution is, is your crown jewel. Um, if you are producing a good, you know, the number one technology for producing that good or the, the top five um, for producing it might be your crown jewel. But then there are also really important subsystems and supply chain issues, um, the way that I break it down in terms of cybersecurity is the difference really lies in integrity. So from a traditional IT and cybersecurity background, we think of the CIA triad. So confidentiality, integrity, and availability of data. In the operational technology and ICS world, industrial control systems, um, integrity still matters, but it's not necessarily the integrity of data that's really, really useful or highly secretive. It's at the integrity of two things, and that is um, view and control. So the two big cybersecurity scenarios you might see in an operational technology environment will be the loss of view or the loss of control of those physical processes. So that's really brings us to a conversation we center on visibility mm. um, when it comes to securing networks. And, and on the OT side, people are beginning to take that visibility gap very seriously. So they're starting to recognize the threat, threat landscape, starting to do some of the risk analysis, internal, external, but really honing on on the fact that they lack visibility and taking the necessary steps to say, we need to figure out what we can't see. And if we can't see something, we also can't investigate it. And that's really where I come in. That's kind of a lot of the, the focus that I provide is what can we investigate and how do we go about investing, investigating internally and externally, maybe our risks and our vulnerabilities to use our resources in the best way possible from a security perspective. I appreciate you sharing that, that insight, Danielle. And, you know, let's say, you know, if we're taking... Um, your your average manufacturing company, right? Let's, again, it's not necessarily a huge company. It's a, maybe a, let's categorize it as, a, as an SMB organization. Uh, they obviously have some operational technology components. 
they've never thought about cybersecurity before. I mean, you, you raise up a, a great point there around starting around visibility. Um, how would you go about informing the business owner, the CEO or CFO around the importance of investing in operational technology security for that manufacturing organization? Yeah. So most people would start with kind of the classic, let's get in, let's do an assessment, let's do an asset inventory, let's see what you have. I actually pull the reins a little further back. And the way I scope this for senior leadership is there are three real layers of connectivity in my mind. Um, and some of them are revolutionizing you know, technology and, and digital components in a way that things will never be done like they have been before. But that might not necessarily be true for your organization, your operations. You might actually be doing things the same way you did them 30 years ago. So you really have to take a step back and say, what is the nature of the evolution of your processes at hand? How digital are they? How connected are you? Um, and if you're revolutionizing, then maybe there's a lot of money being spent on greenfield types of applications where security can be built in and you can approach it from that way. Maybe you have an operation where you're layering new technologies onto legacy systems that are potentially insecure by design. And then it's a bit of a renaissance approach, I like to say, and going back and saying, we really need to secure these legacy technologies to get the biggest bang for our buck. And some of those um, efficiency and analytics processes we're laying on top of the legacy systems. And then there's a third kind of hybrid operational design in which maybe you are outsourcing things and um, you're renting some of your systems. So you're kind of transferring what we talk about in terms of CapEx and OpEx for some of your systems. That might be a lighting system. It might be an x-ray machine at an airport, right? That's not necessarily for the small and medium-sized businesses, but you can think of things you might've outsourced and rented and then start to question whether or not you have visibility into the access of those technologies in those kind of hybrid environments. So that's kind of what I would ask people from a leadership standpoint, which of those three buckets do you think you mainly fit into? And then start to approach your security design posture and maturity from that starting point, rather than just going through kind of the check boxes in terms of, do we have asset intelligence in terms of an inventory of all of our connected systems and devices? Even that kind of a conversation might be too far down the road if you don't understand the true digitized nature of where you stand today. Thank you for sharing that, Danielle. And from maybe from a threat landscape perspective, what are you seeing, like in terms of operational technologies? Like, I don't want to obviously it's going to depend on the size, the sector, um, um, but in terms of the threat landscape, are you seeing operational technologies being targeted more frequently now? Um, I'm just curious in terms of the, the threat landscape and what you're seeing. We're definitely seeing cyber physical processes targeted more um, routinely. Typically, though, the, the access point, the, the first point of um, intervention from a threat actor is still on the IT side. So if, you're, if your OT networks are segmented, that might be the critical target, but the access points are less narrowly focused on OT. It doesn't mean that they can't find them. Um, so that's still the, the typical process we see out there is that um, an OT type attack will come through an IT access point. But we have seen um, new malware specifically targeted for OT systems. So that's been the change over the last couple of years. There was one incident, Trisis, that had been well known for a number of years. And now we have InController, which is also another example of highly targeted OT specific um, TTPs. And so we've talked a long time about kind of limiting the access points between IT and OT. And now we're kind of having um, another revelation of, wow, once they're in here, these things are purpose, just some of these attacks are just as purpose-built for these environments as the technology themselves. And that's really been top of mind lately. The other thing that's top of mind is there's both a security risk in terms of the threat landscape of where threat actors can get in, how they can move laterally, right? All the things we know to be true. 
There's also the fact that there's a lot of native functionality within control systems that can be what I like to say hijacked, which means that the commands once you're in that are sent um, will be will be those inputs will be legitimate activity given those technologies because they're very limited um, in terms of the credential access that you need. So basically once you're in, you can just push normal commands and things might happen in the physical world because there's really no incongruent way to check whether or not those credentials are um, you know, privileged or not. Um, and then there's, there's also when it comes to the new technology we're talking about in terms of layering, so IoT, analytics and remote access, there's that interface piece and, and RDP, so remote desktop protocol that continues to be used as a vector to get in. And also a lot of that activity can be masqueraded as legitimate as well. So the, the larger concern for OT right now is that um, more advanced and more malicious activity is going to go undetected for longer because it can more easily masquerade as legitimate given those kind of necessity commands for OT that are native functionality is what we call it native quote-unquote native functionality in those systems. Daniel, there's one more question I wanted to ask you. I know you were, you were um, mentioning it at the, uh, at the beginning, but just around talent, you know, and, and, and the need, um, you know, to, especially in the operational technology security side of things, uh, that talent pipeline. Um, in terms of what, what you're seeing, what more can be done in terms of increasing, uh, I guess, broadly in the, our cybersecurity industry, but also specifically with uh, OT security as well, what more can be done to increase uh, diversity in, in that workforce? I mean, what, from, from a gender perspective, thought diversity perspective, um, what are you seeing and, and what, what are some things that, that still need to be done in order to uh, improve that um, uh, diversity and inclusion uh, in, in our talent pipeline? Sure. At the end of the day, I think hiring processes really need to change and some of the gatekeeping, which is there's tons of podcasts out there about, you know, gatekeeping and cybersecurity specifically. So just to mention that and move on, I mean, it's an obvious one. Um, what we're seeing a lot of the times right now is we're really encouraging process engineers to get more involved in cybersecurity. Um, and, and we see that a lot. And so then being able to pair some people that have interest, maybe from the IT side that are interested in OT or maybe don't have a quote unquote traditional technology or cybersecurity background that are interested, we just need to encourage them and find apprenticeships is what I work on specifically, but apprenticeships and non-traditional, and by non-traditional, I mean non-four-year type degree programs to kind of get these, these folks in the door. And so um, hiring processes and also I think funding streams need to more readily embrace those non-traditional boot camps, um, apprenticeships, community college programs, et cetera so that these people actually can go out and, and find those alternative resources and then have an ROI for those alternative resources rather than having to go back to school, take on more debt, and then face some of the hiring um, hurdles that we've seen for a number of years. Danielle, you're one of my favorite people to talk to and I appreciate your friendship. And for our viewers and listeners who aren't currently following you, uh, what, what are some of the platforms where you spend a lot of time and where are some best spots for them to follow you? Yeah. So on um, Twitter, I am known as CyberSnark, and I've learned it is completely appropriate to call me that in public, even if we've never met. Um, and I've gotten used to that on LinkedIn, Danielle Jablanski. And, and also you can find some of my work on, like I mentioned in the beginning, the Atlantic Council. Um, I'll be doing uh, a big publication this fall on some of my my other research. Um, and then, of course, Nozomi Networks, I, I pen a couple of their blogs and, and do um, a couple webinars. And I have one coming up. Probably not in time for this, but um, be sure to, to 
plug into some of our multimedia as well. Awesome. And and for our viewers and listeners, um, uh, I've been following Danielle on Twitter for quite some time now. She is uh, one of the best people to follow on Twitter. Great blend of wisdom and humor. Um, always brings a smile to my face. So uh, Danielle, thank you for joining us today. Um, I hope everyone does have, takes a, a breach vacation. A uh, great t-shirt, by the way. Yes, that's from Splunk. Yeah. <laughs> Trademark. <laughs> uh, but thank you again for taking time of your busy schedule to join us on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. I really appreciate it. Thanks to you and your team. And we've also got a lot of folks in Canada. So I hope that you get to know them as well. Awesome. Be sure to, I'll be sure to connect with them. And Danielle, thank you again. And I will be back momentarily to wrap up today's episode with some final thoughts. What a great conversation with Danielle. Uh, again, you could see that terrific blend of wit, smarts, and wisdom. Uh, really, really did a great job of laying out operational technology, security, and industrial control security. I appreciate how she broke down all those acronyms. Uh, really made it relatable. Uh, again, I'm not an expert in, in, in that space, but again, it's very, very important. Uh, again, I mean, she came from a, uh, a world where she was doing cybersecurity for a nuclear system. So uh, she's been there, done that. Uh, she knows the uh, ins and outs of, of, of security. And, and from an operational technology perspective. And we're very grateful uh, that Danielle joined us today on, on our podcast. And of course, I want to extend that special thank you to our loyal listeners and viewers who join us each and every week. Uh, if you didn't miss a previous episode, do check out the Cybersecurity Matters YouTube page and or check out previous episodes uh, on your favorite podcasting platform. But until next time, be well, be safe, and we will see you again next time on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. Mm-hmm.